I also have one other very special announcement that I'd like to make before we launch into the sermon this morning, and that is that our sister Victoria Vaughn has decided to place membership here at the church, so we want to welcome her. Uh, Victoria's been with us for a while now, and I, I've had the opportunity to get to know her, and she has just been a blessing to this church. She is a lot of fun and just a great, great woman of God. So if you have not had a chance to meet Victoria, uh, please seek her out today and talk to her and get to know her and welcome her to our church. So let's get started with our Better Together series. Now, a couple weeks ago, we tackled the uh, be submissive to one another, and that, that was a tough one, right? That, that's a really hard one that you have to really wrestle with and really kind of come to terms with. And, and today's is kind of in that similar vein. It's one that we tend to struggle with just a little bit. And we're going to unpack that here this morning as we look at the book of Colossians. So we are going to dive in and talk about our big idea for today. And the big idea is that through teaching and admonishing, we all become new in Christ. Now, this is, this is a tough one. This whole concept of teaching and admonishing, and that's where we get hung up, right, is on that word admonishing, can be a difficult one for us. And, and as I thought through this idea, and as I thought through this concept, I, I got to thinking about how much do we really do this? How much do we really teach and admonish one another? Now, that word admonish can be a little bit scary, right? Because sometimes we think of like beating people over the head, like, don't do that, stop doing that. And that's, I guess you could, you could look at admonishing being that definition. But as I looked back through the history of the word admonish, it also means more of coaching and helping and mentoring. So yes, you can think of admonish as kind of a, a smack over the head. And I guess sometimes we kind of need that, right? But it also means coaching, and it also means mentoring, and it also means bringing each other along. And that's what we're going to look at today as we take a quick spin through the book of Colossians. So, just to give you a brief overview, in case you're not familiar with the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians was written by Paul, who wrote most of the letters to the churches, right? And it's a little bit unique in the fact that he not only wrote this from prison, but he wrote this to people that he had actually never met before. This was not a church that he started. This is a church that they believe was started by a gentleman by the name of Epaphras. Now, Epaphras went to visit Paul in prison to kind of give him the lowdown and give him the 411 on what's been going on at the church. That's what prompted Paul to write this letter. And it's a very interesting letter, but it has a pretty clear format. If you look at the very beginning in the first chapter, it's talking about Jesus, the exalted Messiah, and who Jesus was. The second section that we see in chapters 1 and early in chapter 2 is about the suffering apostle. Now, we know that Paul, in this case, was the suffering apostle, and we know that, that Paul didn't look at his suffering as, oh, woe is me, or oh, God, how could you let this happen to me? Paul looked at his suffering in a very unique way. See, Paul saw his suffering and his imprisonment as being part of his sharing in the bigger picture, as part of his sharing in the things that Jesus went through and the suffering that Jesus went through. Paul looked at this as a, as a badge of honor. He didn't look at this as a, oh, woe is me, my life is so terrible. He looked at this as a badge of honor, a badge of courage. 
As we continue, we see in chapters 2, the, kind of the middle of chapter 2, verses 6 through 23, it talks about the pressure that the people were facing. Now see, that the church, of course, had been started, and the church was doing well, and the church was on fire, and, and just like when you start anything new, whether it's a workout plan or a diet, right, things go great, and you're gung-ho, and you're all into it, and then things start to happen. Well, the church in Colossae was no different. They started out strong, and they started out together, and they started out just working towards the goal of being more like Jesus, and then the outside pressures of the day started to come into play. Because see, you have to remember that at this time is when people were still worshiping a lot of Greek gods. And there were a lot of people at this time that thought Jesus was just another one of those. So yeah, you could worship Jesus if you wanted, but he didn't really take that precedence over some of these other idols that, that they had been worshiping or these other gods that they had been worshiping. So th there was this pressure that they were feeling from the outside of the church to turn away. There were people who didn't want them to continue to be Jesus followers. There were people who wanted to try and convince them to follow things other than Jesus. Does that sound familiar to anyone? It's the same thing for us today, right? There's so many outside pressures and outside forces that try and pull us away from our relationship with Jesus. And then in chapters 3 and 4, he talks about the new way of life that Jesus provided to the people. And that's what we're going to focus on today, is how can we teach and admonish each other through love and through Christ in order to become a better, stronger family? So let's jump in, and we're going to start with a little background. So we're going to start in chapter 1, starting in verse 9. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Verse 10, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And finally, in verse 12, it says, in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, I, I, I love this background information that he's giving because he's talking about things that are going to lead us right into teaching and admonishing. He's talking about how his prayer for them is for them to grow in wisdom and understanding. Now, we talked about this last week. How do we grow in wisdom and understanding? We spend time in the Scripture. Because in a little bit, when we get to teaching and admonishing, how can we hope to teach or admonish one another if we don't know what the plan is, if we don't know what the Bible says? We have to learn the plan of salvation, in order to be able to share it with others, in order to be able to share it with one another. So we have to know it. We have to know it like the back of our hand so that we can therefore teach it and share it with other people. And that's exactly what he's talking about. My prayer for you is to grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Well, how do we do that? We do that through studying the Bible, right? We do that through each other. We have some amazing people in this church we have some amazing Bible scholars in this church. We have some men and women that know the Bible way better than I ever will. Why not learn from each other? Why not work together and encourage one another and teach one another? 
Think of how much stronger and how much better we could make this church family if we truly, from a place of love, taught each other and worked together with one another. We could do amazing things, but it starts with, just like we talked about last week, it starts with the Bible. We're going to jump ahead to Colossians chapter 2, because again, this is kind of the background that's going to lead us into this idea of teaching and admonishing. It says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. Again, this, this is to the church at Colossae, but these letters were circulated. They were designed to go to other places, and he's actually referencing one of the other churches, and that's the church at Laodicea. It says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. See, there's that encouraged and then what does it say right after encouraged? United in love. See, we've been talking about the one another's for, for quite a few weeks now, right? And it all starts with love. It all starts with love because all of these one another's, right, have to be done from a standpoint of love for one another. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. And see, this goes back to that if we don't know the Scriptures, if we don't know the Word and the message, then we can be led astray. And that's what's happening at the church that Paul's addressing. It says, For though I'm absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So see, Paul, Paul is uh, he's kind of building them up a little bit, right? He's saying, hey, I got your back, and I'm praying for you. And, and I'm impressed with what you've done so far, but now we've got we to take it a step further. Now we've got to get back on course and take this thing to the next level. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. But I love the fact that Paul had never met these people but you can almost hear in his voice the passion and the love that he had for his fellow believers. There was a passion and a love in these letters that it says, look, even though I'm not with you, I'm praying for you. I'm there with you in spirit. And see, that's exactly how we need to be with one another. And I don't just mean the one another sitting in this room, but our brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever they may be. So that's going to take us to our key text for today. We're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 3. And that's going to start in verse 12. And it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So see, before we get to teaching and admonishing, we, we got to get dressed, right? That's kind of what he's saying. We got to be prepared before I can approach you to try and teach you or to try and correct you on something. I've got to make sure that I'm doing so with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I love that Paul goes there first. Because like I said, is there an option? Sometimes you got to hit people over the head. I guess sometimes you do, but that's not what Paul's teaching us here. See, he's saying you got to get prepared first. He's already told us, right, you need to be wisdom, right? You need to have wisdom. You need to be in the Word. You need to know, right, the plan of salvation. And now he's saying, and now you've got to get dressed. Just like if you're going to work in the morning, right? 
Some of you have to put on shirts and ties and the whole nine yards. Thankfully, I don't have to do that anymore. But, but you got to be prepared. You got to have the right attire on, right? You wouldn't go to the gym in a three-piece suit. And you probably wouldn't go to the office in gym shorts and a t-shirt. We got to be clothed. And in this case, it's clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness. I mean, I mean, these are key traits that we should have as Christians anyway. And he's reminding us of that. He's reminding us of how we need to be in a mindset before we can approach someone to teach and to admonish. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So many great passages in the Bible about forgiveness. And sometimes forgiveness is a hard road. Because sometimes we get into a mindset that this person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. But guess what? God forgives us even when we don't deserve it. And that's what we have to do for others. So again, he's preparing us to get to this teach and admonish part, we got to forgive. Because what happens if you go to teach and admonish someone and you haven't forgiven them? Do you think that's going to come from a place of love? Do you think that's going to come from a place where they're going to be receptive to hear what you have to say? Probably not. So now that we've been clothed, we've got to forgive so that we go into this with the right mental attitude. Verse 14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, if we truly love each other, if we truly love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, then we can do all of these other things. We can submit to one another. We can encourage one another. We can teach and admonish one another. But it starts with love because when it's coming from a place of love and it's coming from a place of Christ, then it's all going to be okay. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Unity, right? This whole series title is Better Together. We've been talking about the need for unity and that's what this whole series has been all about, is how do we come back together as the church as one body, as a unified body? And that's what he's reminding them of. Look, you, you got to have love. And when you have love, and when you love Christ, then you have peace. Right? We have peace because of our Lord and Savior. We have peace because of what Jesus has already done for us. That allows us to have peace. When things get tough, guess what? We have peace. When things get hard and we can't see a way out, we have peace. Because Jesus Christ already paid it all for us. And we can have that peace. That's one of the best things about being a Christian, in my opinion. Is that peace that we have with our relationship with Jesus Christ. That he's got our back. He's going to take care of us. It says, and be thankful. Because when we're thankful and we come from a place of a thankful heart then that's going to project to others as well. That puts us at verse 16, says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God 
with gratitude in your hearts. So see, I, I love the fact that Paul took the time to kind of lay some groundwork for this idea of teaching and admonishing. He didn't just come right out and say, hey, go teach other people and correct them when they're wrong. He, he laid the foundation of how we do this. And I want us to think about this the next time that we want to teach someone, the next time that we want to correct someone, do we, do we, do we go through these steps, right? Do we put on Christ? Do, do we come with a, a humble heart? Do we come from a place of love? Do we come from a place of unity? Of, hey, brother or sister, I want to build you up, not tear you down? Because when we do, this can be a wonderful thing. See, this isn't designed to be a bad concept. This is designed to be another tool that we use to become a stronger church family. And I believe that, and I believe that that can happen. And in just a moment, we're going to talk a little more about what that looks like and how we do that. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I love the fact that last week we talked about how we spoke to one another, right? And we talked about speaking to one another through psalms and hymns and things like that, right? And we talked about the fact that I promised I wouldn't sing to you guys, and I keep that promise. But I love the fact that this next scripture that follows that is a song that we've sung a million times. Whatever you do and we are indeed, do all in the name of the Lord, right? And I'm not going to sing it. But you guys, for those of you, especially who grew up Church of Christ, you know that song. It's a song that we sing over and over. Do we think about the songs that we sing, or do we just sing them? Do we think about the words that we're singing? I hope that we do, because there's some powerful stuff in those songs, and you'd be amazed when you really start to look into it at how many of those songs are simply quoting Scripture. And it's an amazing way for us to learn together. See, our time of worship, yes, is a time to lift up our voices to God, but it can also be a time for us to get concepts and principles and understanding from the songs that then we can go back and look up in the Bible. So how do we do this whole teaching and admonishing thing? And, and what if, what if we truly did this? Like I said, I, I don't think this is something we do very often, but what if we did? We could have more peace. We could have more understanding. We could all be more knowledgeable. We could be more unified. And isn't, aren't those the types of things we should be striving for as a church? As we come out of the pandemic, should we not be striving to be closer than we have ever been before? I hope that we are. And I hope that you all agree with that. Because the whole point of this is that we can be better together. And this is one of the ways that we can truly do that. Again, when we have Christ in us, we're going to approach this from the proper perspective. See, if we teach and admonish from his word, not our words, we're already off on the right foot. If we're teaching and admonishing from the scriptures, not from my thoughts or opinions or your thoughts and opinions, then we're already off to a good start. And we do it with the love of Christ in us. We do it with the spirit of Christ in us.
We do it from a want and a desire to be like Christ. See, it's, it's having Christ in us that guides this process. And it's this idea of Christ in me and Christ in us. Because see, if Christ is living in me, and I'm radiating that, and as we talked about a couple weeks ago, I'm illuminating that and illuminating others so that they can also be a light for Christ, then Christ is going to be in us as well. And that can guide this whole process. This whole process of teaching and admonishing is guided by the fact that Christ loves us and wants what's best for us. And if we approach others in that same fashion, that I love you and I want what's best for you, then we can teach and admonish others. And it comes from a place of love. And we come out of that stronger and more unified than when we started. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we've got to check our hearts, right? we got to check our hearts. And, and that's what Paul was, was building up to in that first four or five verses, right, prior to saying teach and admonish. we got to check our heart. Where, where are we coming from? Are we coming from a place of I'm right and you're wrong? Are we coming from a place of, hey, you make mistakes and I don't? Are we coming from a place in our heart of, look, brother or sister, I love you and I want to help you with this. Or, hey, brother or sister, I love you and I want to help teach you this. Because, see, we all have something to offer. One of the things I love the most about Bible studies is when you sit down with a group of people, and, and Lord willing, we're going to get our small groups back up and going hopefully sooner rather than later. But, but one of the things I love the most about small groups is, is you can sit down in a circle of eight to ten people, right? And you can read a scripture, and somebody will bring up a point that you've never heard of before. And you'll be like, I never thought of it that way before. Shortest verse in the Bible is, Jesus wept right? And I had always just thought Jesus wept because his friend died. And then somebody said, or did Jesus weep because he knew he was going to have to call Lazarus back from heaven? And I went, uh, uh, never thought about that before. That's just a very simple example of what I'm talking about, though, is when you sit down and you study the Word, you get to see other people's background and other people's perspectives. And we can all learn from one another. Whether you've been a Christian for 90 years or you've been a Christian for nine minutes, we can all learn from one another. Because none of us knows it all. And we all have a different background and have been taught differently. And I love to sit down and dig into the Scriptures and just see, hey, have you ever looked at it from this perspective? Have you looked at it from that perspective? And we learn together. And when we're teaching and admonishing, we've got to check our words, right? And what I mean by that is we use words of love, and we use words that build each other up, not tear each other down. So we check our heart, we check our words, and we check our actions. Right? Because, because if we're going to call somebody out, we've got to make sure that, that we know exactly what we're talking about. And again, that all goes back to the Scripture. And that all goes back to spending time in the Word. But I, I truly believe that this idea of teaching and admonishing is important for us. And I think Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 kind of sums up this whole thing that we're talking about. It says, And let us consider 
how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And I think that kind of wraps up what we're talking about, right? We want to spur one another on through love. And we can do that. Now, some, again, this can be a hard concept, right? It's not always easy to go to somebody and say, hey, I think you're making a mistake and I want you to stop it. But if we approach it in love and we do it the right way, we don't go to 10 other people and go, hey, did you hear about what brother so-and-so was doing? No, the Bible teaches us we go to our brother or sister and say, look, I love you, but, but I want to talk to you about something. And sometimes we have to have hard conversations, right? Sometimes those conversations are not easy. But if you approach it the way that Paul explains to us here, if you approach it from a true place of love, then that message is going to be received. And right, and that's the flip side of the coin, right? If somebody's going to teach and admonish us, we have to be open-handed. And when I say open-handed, it's something I learned a long time ago, and that was so, sometimes when you have to have a difficult conversation with someone, you say, hey, uh, I, want to have a, I want to have an open-handed conversation with you. And one of my old mentors used to do this, and he would literally have you sit down, and you would both open your hands like this. You'd sit here in this posture. So I want to have an open-handed conversation with you. Meaning, I'm not going to be on the defense. You're not going to be on the defense. You're going to listen to what I have to say. And we're going to sit here and we're going to work through this together. And it was something that was very powerful for me. And it's something that I'll never forget. And there's nothing special about the placement of your hands, so to speak. But you're physically taking a posture of, I'm open to what you have to say. And if we do that, and we do that in love then that can be received. And for that person receiving it, and we know that you, if I know that you love me, and I know that you're trying to encourage me, and you're trying to help me be a better Christian or a better Jesus follower, then I'm going to accept that. And I'm going to give you a big hug afterwards and say, thank you so much because I needed that. Right? Because we all need that from time to time, right? We all need it. Nobody's perfect. But to know that that person loved you enough to take the time to come to you in love and say, look, I want to help. I want to help is a very, very powerful thing. So let's not be afraid of this idea of teaching and admonishing. This morning, we want to give you an opportunity as we get ready to wrap up our services that maybe you've never had, uh, you've never had the chance to be baptized You've never had the chance, and maybe it's because you've never been taught. Maybe somebody never took the time to teach you the plan of salvation, where we hear the gospel, where we believe the gospel, where we repent, where we confess our sins, and we're baptized. We're baptized to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized to put our old life behind and be born new in Christ. Maybe you've never had an opportunity to do that. You have the opportunity to do that this morning. Maybe you just need some help. You need some prayers. You need to get some things off your chest. We would love for you to come down during this next song. We'd be happy, myself and the elders, to talk to you, to pray with you, and to help you in any way that you can because there's no reason for anybody to leave here this morning not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you please join us as we stand together and as we sing?
Bacomet.